This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Jai Clark. Welcome along as the Reds get set for a late trolley dash. We're here to assess who's available, what options could be explored and just how likely it is Liverpool sign a centre-back. Plus, we'll look back on the win down at Spurs and preview Sunday's trip to West Ham, including experimental team selections with both Fabinho and Joel Matip to miss the trip to the London Stadium. Here to get into all of that, our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, David Lynch and Theo Squires. We've got football to come, but first of all, centre-backs and a doily today, Jurgen Klopp. First question he was asked, are Liverpool going to be doing business in the transfer window? He said, we will try somewhat of an admission that we've been waiting for, I suppose, from Liverpool. Yeah, that's, that's not according to Jürgen Klopp, is it? He, he said that, you know, his, his, his language may not be good enough for him to state that Liverpool are always trying to sound centre about this window, although he was quite, quite forthright in some of his views earlier on in the, in the month. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, I think we kind of gave away last night, didn't he? That he that was the first time you read between the lines that they were looking to sign somebody and He's got no other choice now, has he? Given what's, you know, Joel Matip got injured yet again. I mean, Jürgen Klopp's come out today and said that he doesn't think it's quite, he's, you know, there's a glimpse that it might not be as serious as the first thought, but it's still ankle ligament. So, you know, given the rate that the games are played at these days, that you, even if, you know, like Fabinho's got a minor muscle complaint and not entirely sure when he's going to be back, but he's definitely not playing against West Ham at the weekend. So neither of them will be playing then. The following day is the transfer window. You know, Jürgen Klopp said Liverpool are trying and, it's it's going to be difficult for Liverpool because we've said this many many times. It's not just about signing a, a player for now, but it's having to overcome the obstacles of is this player good enough, and can Liverpool afford him? Not so much in the sense that get a loan player in, but then the, the opposing teams, you know, the rival teams are, are going to have the players of that caliber. Are they going to let them go to to Liverpool and and, and help them? I don't I don't think so. So. The, by definition, going to be either be taking somebody who's possibly not quite good enough for the club long term, if you're looking at it short term, or they're bringing somebody in who perhaps doesn't have experience of playing in England, and they're going to be expected to hit the ground running straight away. So, but I think now with you know with Matip and Fabinho both out, and we know that Van Dijk and Gomez have been out for a long time and might not appear again this season, I don't think they've got any other choice. In my view, they'll 100% have a new centre-back in the squad for the game against Brighton on Wednesday. It does seem to have been, just David taking Jurgen Klopp's press conference comments, it does seem to be a bit of a, a climb down. It sort of seemed to be a battle of semantics by the end of what maybe he had said or the stance the club had been taking, but... It does, even if they're not going to publicly admit that maybe they, they took a gamble and they need to change their minds, that that certainly now is the case with, what, less than three days of the window to go. Yeah, that's it. He was, he was keen to play around the idea, wasn't he, that, that Liverpool have just suddenly started looking for a sort of almost panic buy and that, you know, this was always the plan. They've always been looking in the window and if they bring someone in, you know, that's that's things just going to plan and that's what they always wanted to do. But the I think that's nonsense, to be honest. I think you look at what, you know, you look at how Liverpool operate in the transfer market. At the end of the day, if they believed that signing a centre-half would have a massive impact on the, the, the rest of the season or they would truly believe it was something that was necessary, you would have sorted it before now. You know what I mean? You wouldn't want to be involved in this part of the transfer market where things get desperate. You agree to deals that you really don't want to do and, and things like that. I think they're in... 
they put themselves in a bit of a position and I think Joel Matip and the way they felt looking at his injury when he came off last night has put them in a position where it's not just a case now of okay, can we can we get someone in who, who's a long-term target? The, the fact is now that they just need a body in there. They, they need an, an extra centre-half as an option because they don't have the bodies there. So um, I think that's, yeah, I think that, that Joel Matic one in particular has changed things and, and it's going to be a, a sort of crazy couple of days where they, where they try and explore what deals can be done. Uh, I think it's still in the balance whether they do do anything. I don't think I would offer any guarantees because I feel, still think there'll be that reluctance to tie themselves into anything that could do long-term damage to the club. So, um, you know, I, I still would, you know, my personal take is it still feels a little bit 50-50 at the moment whether they actually will go on and do anything. Theo, on all of that, then do, do Liverpool really only have themselves to blame leaving it this late? Surely they haven't been as actively pursuing any targets that they're now saying they, they probably are for 29 days of the month to now get to this position where, as David said, they, it does sort of feel as though it is getting towards panic by territory. Um, I believe that with Liverpool, it would have been a case of if one of the targets was available now, they would have made the move. So say Ben White was available in this month, Liverpool would probably gone at the start of the month. Yes, we'll take him. his 40 million, whatever they wanted for the price, got a deal done. But the word has always been they are thinking the summer, they're thinking the long term future of the club and the targets they want to bring in. So with that option not being available, they've tried to make do with what they have. And they've sort of muddled on reasonably well. Like it was only a month ago they were top of the Premier League. And it's just now when you get into the stage where all the four centre-backs are out, if you include Fabinho, and they're down to the kids and Jordan Henderson, where they do need that extra body. And it is going to have to be a case of thinking short-term. And then it's not going to be someone who can be part of the long-term furniture of the club. It's just someone who can be a body for the remaining weeks of the season until you say you can hope Virgil van Dijk might be back in what an April Joel Matip can stay fit for more than a week uh, Fabinho hopefully his muscle complaint's not too bad but um, it's not really one that's hard to see coming because you can see Liverpool's thinking it behind it all like it's not the first time they've been in this situation and it just hasn't cost them to this extent before like you think to a couple of years ago when um, Sadio Mane went off to the Africa Cup of Nations. Granted, that was only a month they knew they were going to be without him, but they were in the title race before he went away and then they were just awful for a month and dropped off. And rather than get someone in that window there in January, they waited into the summer and that's when they got Mohamed Salah. And we all know that what a brilliant buy he's turned out to be and how it paid off for Liverpool. And it, they've always done it with FSG, with Michael Edwards. It's the long-term thinking. They know who they want. Whoever they sign in the summer will already be on their shortlist. They'll have already been watching him for a good six months a year and made all their checks and probably not going to be someone who can come in in two, three days of the window left. But when you come into the start of next season, start of August, they will be a Liverpool player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Doyle, looking at Jurgen Klopp in his press conference and the way he spoke towards the end, he said there aren't any £80 million centre-backs out there that Liverpool could come by. He referenced Stephen Corker and that the only time in his uh, time at Liverpool that they've offered out a, a six-month contract, as he said, obviously a loan deal. Do you think then that that's maybe the route in which Liverpool are going to be left with during this window? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I think the £80 million statement was interesting because... Let's just say every single defender is available in the world and fit. Name me an 80 million centre-back. And oh, look, it's the one that Liverpool have actually already got. So whoever they... Don't be silly. (laughs) 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 But the the point is that it's 
you know, various positions. They go around in stages, don't they, where sometimes there's not that many great available ones in a particular position, and sometimes there's loads of them in one position. I just don't think there's many great centre-backs out there at the moment, I'm afraid. So even if Liverpool wanted to sign somebody top-notch, who would they get? So they're not going to be spending 80 million on anybody uh, in that position. In terms of short-term loan deal, I think that might... The, inter- the other way of looking at this is that you can imagine that agents have been onto Liverpool every single day for the past month and even longer going, yeah, I know, I've got this player, there's this player. So they'll have a massive list of players that they could possibly go for and probably 90% of them aren't good enough. 8% of them they can't afford or, or you know, it, it doesn't make financial sense. Then you're left with next to nobody. And so the, there's a very small window of, of players that they can actually realistically buy. But obviously now that's changed with, you know, as Lynch, you said, they do actually need somebody in there with a, probably with a bit of experience. It'll probably end up, this is just my hunch, if they're going to get somebody in, it'll be somebody with a bit of experience who's played in England before, can just go straight in there and knows that they're not going to be a regular at the end of the se- after the end of the season, or you know, yep. So, but then somebody who pass- possibly they might give an eighteen month contract to, so they can just be another option next season. When again, it's just going to be a ton of games, and you know, possibly going to be having the same problems again in terms of just sheer numbers of you know, you know, the stresses on the players because you know the following season after that, there's a World Cup being played in December, so who knows what's going to be going on then in terms of when games are going to be played. So. I think looking at it short term, though, Liverpool just need to get somebody in. I think they will do. And I think if they don't now, having actually come out and, you know, publicly changed their minds, or at least it appears that way in terms of saying, yeah, well, now we're trying to sign somebody, it would that would definitely be a big mistake and reflect, reflect badly on them because why else would they come out and say, yeah, well, now we're trying to get somebody in if they didn't think that they were going to be able to? Yeah, in terms of what you, you've said there, Agents throwing names at the club. Former Liverpool defender Philip Dagan represents a certain squadron, Mustafi David, and he's a player who knows the Premier League, whose contract's up at Arsenal at the end of the season, albeit they're trying to terminate his deal maybe before the end of the season. Would he be an option? He's He's been in the uh, gossip columns today being linked with the move. I mean, the, the, the German link there and obviously Jürgen Klopp, I no doubt will have, will have followed his career closely and will know a lot about him. So I suppose he fits the bill. But this is the thing that makes these these transfers difficult. You know, some of the names are being thrown out. So, for example, Mustafi, you know, say manages to get his contract cancelled at, at Arsenal and then comes into Liverpool. He's not willing to accept a, a six-month deal until the end of the season. Surely he would rather his future be sorted you know, for three years and get a three-year contract lucrative elsewhere. Um, you know, why? What he doesn't know Liverpool anything to come in and sort of do them a favour for six months. And and you know, if you're looking at someone like Mustafi, you're not. He's probably not thinking I'm going to go in there and and win the Premier League and the Champions League this season because the because the injuries at centre half probably make that quite unlikely for Liverpool this season. So uh, it's just a hard sell, isn't it? And a lot of the deals that are being suggested are like this. It's, it's, if you get, you can't just sign someone like a Mustafi on a, on a six-month deal and think they're going to be happy with that. They want something more long-term. And if you want something more long-term, that then starts eating into your plans for next season. Obviously, we know that Liverpool will sign a centre-half in the summer. They want someone long-term who's going to fit in there. So if you've still got Mustafi kicking about, that starts causing you issues in terms of your wage bill and things like that. So it's it's a difficult one. And, you know, I, I, maybe, they, maybe they could put together a short-term deal. Maybe you would fancy that change, but I just... Personally, can't see it to be honest, and, and I think if you look at a lot of the, the targets that have been linked, 
quite easy to disregard on that basis is would the player even even want the move you know it, it, I think a lot of them would, you, you can sort of write off as, as sort of speculation really I mean, that, that's a great point because it's not like football manager where you put your bids in and then you just hope that they, they come over but you know th- th- these are footballers and they'll be they'll be thinking you know for you know Liverpool fans it's like why wouldn't you want to play for Liverpool but this is their profession and if they're going somewhere where they, they might only play for six months and then suddenly they're out of, of work again when they when they could have another op- another offer there for them that's for 18 months or whatever have you this has been taken into consideration by the players because if Liverpool are going to be bringing a player in of a certain standard which they'll want then surely they'll get offers elsewhere as well it's not like they're going to be just taking somebody that no one's ever heard of but at least you'd like to think that's not the case because otherwise what would be the point of them even going for them it also seems to be very muddled as well Theo that one minute Squadron Mustafi's getting linked maybe six-month, 18-month deal or whatever. But then also today we're reading Sven Botman and Liverpool supposedly reviving interest in the defender at Lille. He would surely be much more of a long-term target. It does all seem, obviously, with the speculation, and I suppose that is what it is, that it is all muddled between what Liverpool actually need. And I know you've written a a very in-depth piece today, actually. Registration rules might determine that a foreign player is off the table anyway. Yeah, it's one of those where Liverpool currently have 24 players in this Premier League squad, and that's only because they took Virgil van Dijk off when he suffered his knee injury against Everton. So on paper, there is room for an overseas player in this squad. But if you're Virgil van Dijk and you're, or you're Liverpool physios and you're expecting him to be back in March, April, you want him to play again this season, he has to be registered when the squad goes in after the transfer window closes. So that space automatically disappears. Um, now, in the Premier League squad, Liverpool did name Joe Hardy, under-23 striker, who's never going to play for the first team this season. So you could, if you've got a homegrown player, just do like for like, and that's fine. But if you signed an overseas player, then someone else has to miss out or someone else has to get sold. It's what the position Liverpool found themselves in the summer with Marco Gruich. They had too many overseas players, so he had to go on loan to FC Porto. And then it's even more complicated with the Champions League because you need club-trained players. So again, Liverpool have a 24-man squad, but Virgil van Dijk is in it this time. But Liverpool's available space is for this club-trained player. So someone who's come through the Liverpool Academy, like a Conor Cody, like a Martin Kelly, these sorts of players. And it's like, well, that's a very niche market to be shopping in, to not need to get rid of someone to fill it in. And Liverpool with a homegrown squad for the Champions League. Well, Harvey Elliott's on that list because he couldn't be registered as uh, someone who'd been in their academy for three years or two years and uninterrupted or whatever. So their hands have been tied the whole way along. And with free agents coming into it, well, if you want to sign a free agent, they have to have their contract cancelled before the deadline on 11pm on Monday. So if Mustafi agreed to terminate his contract after that deadline, he can't sign for a Premier League team until the summer. And then Champions League squads, well, I've been reading this morning that the knockoff for that is 11pm as well. It's the exact same time as the transfer window closes. So if you want to sign a player, they have to be in the squad. They have to be registered before that deadline to play in the Champions League. Now, granted, Liverpool could wait, go up beyond the deadline, sign a free agent, and they'd be able to play in the Premier League. But that would still leave them short in the Champions League. So it's very much a rush to get a deal over the line. They have got until 11pm on Monday to find the player they want to get them in, whether it's loan, permanently, whatever. And still got, you think, all the COVID regulations as well. How easy it's going to be to fly someone over and have them available and quick turnaround, get them tested and all this sort of stuff. It's a minefield. I think, I, think in terms of, I think in terms of the qualification of the players, in terms of, I think if Liverpool get somebody from abroad, they'll just move somebody out of the squad. Simple as that. Adrian's the obvious one, isn't he? 
I mean, because obviously Kelleher's now second choice goalkeeper, and I'm not. I must admit, I'm not. In, I don't know all the ins and outs as Theo does, but I would imagine that would be a fairly straightforward swap if if necessary. So, I think in that respect, I think Liverpool will just do what needs to be done. Yeah, it could be a read. It could be anybody like that. But also, do they not, in terms of Champions League, Theo, do they not still need to find a space for Nat Phillips because he couldn't play in the group stage? Yeah, Nat Phillips, um, he's not in the group stage ones, but that would just be, well, you take Harvey Elliott out and he takes that homegrown spot, but he's still not club trained, so they're still only allowed to name 24 players. does seem an absolute minefield and sort of thinking about it all and where Liverpool do turn indeed. David, just in terms of yourself, and before we move on, how likely do you think it is? Hopefully no one turns off the fax machine at Kirby this week and there is all of these deadlines now looming. It's, uh, I mean, I think it's... I could equally see that, that Liverpool could, could end this window without signing anyone. I think there's a, there's a stubbornness there in terms of their approach. And, and, and like we said, I think we can rule out sort of free agents being signed up because we don't think the, con- you know, the contract situation won't be right. And then they would have to, you know, they'd have to be doing so much juggling around next summer when that comes around and, and they don't want to tie themselves into situations that will damage next season. So I think that's, I think we can pretty much sort of rule that one out as a, as, as a sort of route to getting someone in. I think the most likely outcome, if they are to get one, is, is a short-term loan and someone who's not playing at a, a, you know, a relatively big club and, and could maybe come in for six months. Equally, if the artists strike a deal like that, they won't want to tie themselves into an obligation to buy scenario. And a lot of clubs who are looking to loan players out will be expecting that. You know, I'm thinking of maybe Ed Militao at, at Real Madrid, obviously he's someone who's been linked with Liverpool recently. I think Real Madrid are looking to, or, or reports have suggested that they're looking to sort of add an option to buy into that. So again, that's you know maybe a difficult one for Liverpool to do. So I think if you do get it done, it'll be someone who's sitting on the bench and wants the football and and can come in and be a body for six months on loan. But I, anything beyond that, I, I will be quite surprised to be honest. Yeah, definitely get Stephen Cooker out of the deep freeze and throw him back in. I suppose that he's might be the deep freeze. He's playing in Turkey. <laughs> is, is that not the deep freeze? It's the opposite. It's actually quite warm. Yeah, yeah it will be quite warm there. Yeah, no, anyway. it's quite well in Turkey too. <laughs> are, we, are we not going to throw any names around then? Are we not going to have a guest on who, who, who could go for? You, yeah, I imagine though, you've got someone absolutely crazy lined up in your head. So I, I'm not going first. So I, all right, I'm all right. Sure. It's only fair, Theo. Do you want to throw, throw a name you in know first? Every single footballer in the world. So come on. <laughs> uh, I'll start by dismissing one. I've seen Martin Skirt will come up in the comments. He's um, out for the season. He's done his Achilles. It's the only reason he's a free agent. Um, it'd be easiest for Liverpool to do this homegrown option just because they don't need to then manoeuvre players out of the squad. And some people might have said, I suggested Martin Kelly is well, it's one that ticks all the boxes. You think of like a, a Gary Cahill, a Scott Dan. Uh, but then if you're looking for the homegrown players in the Premier League squad, one of our guys today suggested Christensen from Chelsea on loan. Well, if you're Chelsea, you're not letting Liverpool have one of your players. You're not helping them out at all. Um, there is a report that's just gone up today. The uh, New York Red Bulls centre-half, Aaron Long, he's the United States captain. And that makes sense to an extent because uh, it's like a three-month loan, I think they said, with the MLSL season currently suspended. So he'd come in and fill that space. There wouldn't be an option to buy. He's got a bit of experience. He speaks the language and all that. And there's the relationship with Red Bull, of course, that Liverpool have got a flourishing relationship there. And you can see why it would tick boxes. Uh, I think there's a claim that there wouldn't even be a loan fee because it's only a three-month loan. But then you've still got to make room in the squad for him. 
uh, it's just scraping the barrel here because Liverpool aren't going to be signing whoever they want to be the long-term option. It's just who can be starting for next month, if we're assuming that's how long you're going to be without Fabinho Matip and isn't going to make a show of themselves because no matter how well a Phillips or a Reese Williams have been doing, Jurgen Klopp obviously doesn't have enough faith in them. Otherwise, he wouldn't be rotated. One of them would have the shirt down and they'd be sent back every week for the last month, two months. He's, are you saying say, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting Theo to go through every single name that we have. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he, 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 reeled off, he reeled off pretty much every player. But is, is, Selhurst, is, is Selhurst Park then, Doyley, the place to look? Could Roy Hodgson finally do something good for Liverpool? That's a little bit harsh. <laughs> a team that got beat 7-0 by them, so that was a quite a good, good yeah, uh, yeah, gesture. Fair, yeah. yeah, fine gesture. Uh, Scott, I mean, we, we were speaking about it before, weren't we, before we started recording this. Scott Dan and Gary Cale are two that stand out. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not injured, but they just don't play. But, but you know, then it's the whole thing of, well, you know, what if they're not playing for Crystal Palace, how can they possibly play for Liverpool? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. This is like, you know... I wouldn't say desperate measures, but they're getting towards it. So, as, as Lynch said before, it's about getting a body. And if you get an experienced body and you can help the others as well, that's the other thing, is that, you know, if you're Jordan Henderson and you're playing centre-back and you're being asked to help Nat Phillips or Reese Williams through a game, and it's like, well, actually, it's the other way around. Can you tell me how to play centre-back, please? So it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? So that's why a little bit of experience, because as much as... I'm pretty sure Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip are, are, are passing on words of encouragement to, to the the youngsters. It's not as good as actually being out there on the training field and actually playing the games. So I think we can't underestimate the value of experience when it comes to a, a position that's so crucial where you get players who play on to 34, 35. You know, you don't get many wingers age 35, do you? Unless they're called Ryan Giggs. But, you know, so... That that has to be taken into consideration. I think the experience factor. So, you know, I would I've, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like that did turn up. And also, it's, that, that's somebody who would love to play for Liverpool, isn't it? Gary Cale or Scott Dan? They think, oh great, Scott Dan, not a boyhood yeah. Evertonian. I don't know if he'll. It's, but I'm pretty sure he'd still like to play for Liverpool. Though. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, no. I mean, would you, would you, I mean you, you're obviously a massive Arsenal fan. Europa League. Your team, would you not be happy to, to, to play for Tottenham? Never, never, <laughs> you couldn't, you cannot uh, pay the. I would never, never, uh, well, that's just, never, that's not that's, that's absolutely well, Jose, you Jose Mourinho's just calling you guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. if, if, I tell you what, you should go and play for them in goal after what happened last night, yeah, no, no chance, <laughs> no chance whatsoever. Um. But just in terms of Crystal Palace, David, before we get your view, would they, is Steve Parrish not rubbing his hands thinking what goes around comes around? The deals that took Mamadou Sacco and Christian Benteke to Sellers Park weren't cheap ones. He might see this as a chance to, on a loan fee, recoup some money, given how desperate Liverpool may well be. But Lynch, I'll let you throw some names around. <sighs> I don't really have many names to add, to be honest. I think it's a, it's a difficult one. And the Crystal Palace... Uh, the couple of Crystal Palace players mentioned there, you know, maybe, although again, they're two players, I think I'm right in saying they're six months from the end of the contracts. So if they were to leave again, you know, would they think, well, this is my, this is possibly my retirement contract. I need to get a big payday, whether that be going to Turkey or somewhere like that, or, you know, even staying in England and maybe moving down to a championship club and getting a decent deal there. You know, are they looking at six months loan at Liverpool and thinking, well, if I get injured, if I pick up a bad injury in that time, then I've, I've you know ruled out the possibility of getting a three-year contract in the summer that finishes my career. So it's um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I think 
I think one of the one of the few names I, I probably like is, is, is someone who's mentioned over the summer, which is Isa Mandy at, at Real Betis. I think he's six months from the end of his deal, and, and over the summer was linked with Liverpool, and and I didn't get that particularly enthusiastically knocked down. I, I got the sense that that's someone Liverpool have possibly looked at in the past. Um, so you know maybe if, if they were looking at signing a centre half who's, who's going to be firmly fourth choice in the summer rather than going for one of the big guns, or, or it means that they move on maybe Joel Matip or anything like that. You know maybe a deal like that could be struck, but I'm not. I'm not particularly great. I'm not particularly a scout. I wouldn't say so. Um, I'll leave the picking out the names to to Michael Edwards and Co. And I'll just uh, try and report on it. Yeah, all things. Just the players might be afraid of coming to Liverpool centre backs in case they get injured. Yeah, there's some kind of chinks going on there. Yeah, yeah. There's no curse. Yeah, centre backs. Midfielders who play there get injured as well. (laughs) It really is. I'm going to throw one more name out there because it'd be funny. Because we've just mentioned it, uh, let's stick with the Crystal Palace link. Let's stick with out of contract in the summer, Mamadou Sacco. No chance. Imagine Absolutely it. Absolutely no, no chance. Back. Mamadou, bring him back. I knew you were going to say that. Then. Unfinished business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfinished well, business. Yeah, back yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't see can't see that one happening. But we will have to keep an eye on it. Maybe actually, it would serve Liverpool well to bring in a a stopgap now and a, a sort of long term option in the summer, as you were saying, David, with the. Joel Matip's ongoing fitness issues. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's move on, though, to the game against Tottenham Hotspur. Let's actually talk about some football. Doily, you were down there and saw the Reds get back to winning ways. Yeah, totally deserved as well. I thought uh, even if just coming up to half-time and nil-nil, you're thinking Liverpool have been a bit unlucky here. They should be ahead. And when they get the goal... Through Roberto Firmino, totally deserved. Get the second one straight after half time. Tottenham get one back, and then with Liverpool's obviously sense about problems, Batip's gone off by that point. You're thinking, oh, here we go. But Liverpool just stepped it up again. I mean, I mean, Liverpool played well. I actually thought they played well at United on Sunday as well in large patches. And the fact is, they've just gone to two of their top four rivals away from home and scored five goals. So I don't think there's any worries about. I actually don't think there ever was any worries about the goal scoring because they were still getting into chances and they were still getting close to scoring. It all came back to the defence for for me, and that's not something new that you know people have been saying that for a while now. But um, yeah, overall, I thought there were some very good performances. The good thing is that it was from performances from players who haven't been particularly great lately. I think of Trent. Trent was very good. Uh, Juan Alden, okay, he's been pretty consistent, but. He didn't have the best game the other day against Burnley when he was captain, so he played very well. James Milner was very good, and he added a bit of, like at Old Trafford, he added a little bit of experience to it. I mean, he did the old, there was one point where, you know, Tottenham were kind of put Liverpool under a little bit of pressure in the second half, and he did the old deep Maha man gets to the byline, fall over, win a free kick, which is, you I can't imagine, any, can't <laughs> imagine any other Liverpool player doing that. And, of course, when Alden playing in the number six role, um, it meant that Thiago was a little bit further forward, and while... He's, he, and he's probably working his tackling a little bit. You know, he doesn't mind putting himself about, but, you know, stop going to ground and trying to kill the opposition players. Um, I thought he did I thought he did quite well, actually. Uh, and then he got the, basically all of the players did well. I mean, the interesting thing for me is that the keeper, Alison Becker, I thought he was a bit lucky with that goal that got this loud because he got done on his near post, which he did uh, in the game in December. So it was offside. So I don't think Tottenham can complain too much about that. But uh, by the end, Tottenham were well beaten. And, OK, they had one or two players missing. But Bale came on. And look what happened the last time Bale played against Liverpool. And look, look, look what happened to him last night. <laughs> he just didn't, 
just didn't didn't really do anything, did he? So and it wasn't just him. I mean, even even you know when Matip was on, he had a good game as well. I thought he, he did quite well alongside Henderson who again. You know, basically just going through the entire team and naming every single player who's played well, which is all of them, which is something that hasn't happened very often this season for Liverpool. But once again, when they played against a good team, they've come up with a big result. That's why they're top of that mini league of the top six teams, and that's you know it's put them right back in the shout for this the top four. Not that I ever thought they'd ever out of it, but. You know, as we've said loads of times, I think City are still going to win the league. But that was a nice little reminder for even without the centre-backs that Liverpool are still a very good team and on their day can beat anyone. I suppose there was, it, it was like that, wasn't it, David? There was only that one scary moment early on when they had to have the VAR check for the offside goal. And aside from that, from that moment onwards, it sort of seemed to be the shot in the arm Liverpool needed and from there on really bossed the game. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a huge moment, that going for them. Because, I mean... Honestly, how many times in VAR this season have, have those tight goals actually gone for Liverpool? It feels like that's the first the first one where they've had to draw the lines and, and really look at it in great detail that's actually fell for Liverpool. And that that's nothing to do with skill or, or anything. That's just pure luck, isn't it? You know, I'm thinking of some of the goals they've had ruled out, like, you know, the, the armpit and, you know, Sadio Mane at, at Everton. That's, that's just poor luck. And, and, and to, to have that fall for them yesterday, was which was sort of a... I think it just gave them a little boost to start with and also a really early reminder about Tottenham are always ever two passes away from scoring a goal against you. And um, for them to sort of get that fall their way um, would, would just set them, set them up really to sort of get them straight on the toes. And I don't think from then on, really, Liverpool just absolutely dominated the game. It was um, considering the pressure they were under going into it and the, the doubts um, and, it, and a completely different pressure to anything they felt over the last three years. I thought they were fantastic. It was a... Jurgen Klopp's quotes after about it basically being that you know this was us, this is this is Liverpool football um, under him was was spot on really in terms of just the the pressing was bang on the the, the intelligence and possession physicality everyone covering every blade of grass the quality on show um, just everything about it was fantastic and obviously getting one over on Mourinho is always fantastic Liverpool fans will enjoy that um, and they're a team who are you know miserable and, and set up in a way that, that to try and sort of make the most of a team that's not confident. So, um, yeah, it was just fantastic really to see Liverpool back to the best. And you, and you hope now, you know, with that win having got them, you know, they, they, they're in the top four now that, you know, this, this can really be a platform now for, for the rest of the season or certainly for the coming games in terms because it's a tough run coming off. You just hope that, that that can really be a platform and they can sort of take this performance forward and, and there'll be no more questions really for the rest of the season over whether they'll finish top four. It's just whether they'll, you know, can they be the team that probably finishes second to, to Manchester City, which is how I sort of see the season going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Theo, what did you sort of make of the, the players who got the goals have, I suppose, been some of those who've been on the thick end of some criticism recently, notably Roberto Firmino and Trent Alexander-Arnold, but two of those really sort of seem to be standout performers, as Doyle was listing off before the, the, the full eleven. Yeah, it all seemed to come together, didn't it, at the perfect time for uh, Liverpool. I think there were signs of it against Manchester United in the FA Cup. Like we'd had the few games before that where Liverpool just didn't look like scoring, they didn't look thrusting at all, but they were unlucky in the FA Cup against United. And then it just clicked for them. I think they would have got a boost looking at the Tottenham team because it wasn't really that threatening. And then obviously Harry Kane goes off at half-time. And Liverpool had it in control. Um, it probably helped, uh, even though you'd expect a Mourinho team to be very defensive and park the bus, that Liverpool did create gaps in behind them. They were able to attack and it wasn't just aimless crosses, which could be easily headed out. 
And it was important goals for important players. Liverpool have been waiting for Firmino to find form for so long. They've been waiting for Trent to find form for so long. You're hoping that can be the springboard they need for the rest of the season and that Liverpool have got their blip out, uh, out of the way now. Like, was it nine teams have led the Premier League table so far this season? And that's a record. So like all the teams have had a blip at some point, including Manchester City right at the start of the season. Yes, City look incredible now. But you're hoping the Liverpool now can follow their lead and that's the blip out the way. Now they can just go back to their best, storm teams week in, week out. And even if they're not going to have a, a proper go at winning the title, if they're just too far back and City don't drop off again, at least have a go at the Champions League. Because they are such an incredible team when they're at their best. Injuries haven't helped. The front three, all being off form at the same time, hasn't helped. But it's easy to, you can't overlook how good they have been for two, three years now and why they were champions of everything. Uh, it's just a blip and it's hopefully that one result can turn it all again going forward. You mentioned the, the number of changes at the top of the table. I feel I'm contractu- contractually obliged to say, go and look at the league table of 2013-14, Theo, loads of changes that season. But uh, Doyley, in terms of the midfield blend, I think it was the first time that Wijnaldum, Milner and Thiago have all started together. Thiago was a bit further forward and it seemed to work really well. All three of them individually putting in really strong performances up against a Tottenham midfield that has been going really well this season. They they did start against United, didn't they? Pretty sure it was those three against United, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean in the Premier League. That was in the Cup. Oh, in the Premier League, yeah. Yeah. You should have said that then. Okay, sorry, in in, in the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) I think the reason reason that I've pointed that out is that it wasn't a first time for them. And like in the second half at United, they actually did quite well and that seemed to work well as a blend. So I think they gained from that experience. I I don't think we can... There was a tactical switch, obviously, as I said before, of putting Thiago a little bit further forward and Wijnaldum back. And Wijnaldum was very, very, very good, I thought. Again, underlines that when he does go, he's going to be a massive miss because he's quite clearly not going to stay beyond the end of the season now unless something ridiculous happens. I think, but with Milner, he added that, as I say, that bit of experience. And my worry, I know we'll get onto our teams in a bit for the West Ham games, that he can't really, I'd be amazed if he plays three games inside a week especially when they've got another two games coming up afterwards, uh, the next couple, you know, they've got the game on the Wednesday and the game on the set, on the Sunday, sorry. So I think some interesting calls because I think the Liverpool have accidentally hit on a blend that kind of helps them both defensively and, and going forward. And I know a lot of that, as Theo said, was down to Tottenham deciding just to sit back and play, you know, the Tottenham way. But that's what Liverpool have come up against for so many times this season. And when they were in that run of not being able to, score goals. They were playing against the likes of Newcastle Southampton who couldn't find a way through. So I think it's as we've said before, it was you know, Lynch said, Klopp said that he, he recognised the team that that's us, that's Liverpool. And I think the pressing which had been missing came back against United. And it was for me it was interesting that the sec I think it was the second yeah the second goal of both games was Milner wins the ball really high up in the uh, inside the opposing half. And obviously the first goal, the goal against United was Firmino played it through to Salah and the uh, goal at Tottenham was it ended up at Mane and his shot was was rattled in via Lloris by Alexander-Arnold. So I don't think there's a coincidence that Liverpool scored two goals like that because that's the kind of thing they've been missing in recent weeks. Going, going back to the point on defence as well, David, does it show then that when Jordan Henderson has to be playing at centre-back, however long that's going to be, that actually James Milner, totally saying he's probably going to struggle to play three games a week at the age of 35, but he does need to sort of be wrapped up and taken care of because when Henderson can't play in that midfield, he seems to bring that drive that Liverpool are otherwise lacking. 
that's it. I think he's a he's a perfect Henderson replacement in there in terms of just leadership skills, in terms of what he brings defensively and, and, and energy. But it's it's the question is, can he do that, that three times in a week? I think at West Ham, you possibly might have to pick him up. I don't really think that Klopp will be in the mood to use any of his sort of alternative options, to be honest. So I think we could possibly see see Milner again. Um, you know, he's not played an unbelievable amount of football this season, really, compared to past seasons, I suppose. So you could hope that if you do need him for an extended run now and Henderson's got to be at the back for a little while, then, you know, you'd, you'd hope he's, he's physically capable of doing that. He certainly looked it last night. I didn't think he looked off the pace at all. He didn't seem to tire. Um so yeah, I, I think I think basically Liverpool are going to have to ask him to, to to do a lot of that because without Henderson in there, he sort of he brings a lot of what Henderson does to that cent- central area. So um, yeah, fingers crossed he can he can do it because I think they're going to have to demand it of him. Yeah, certainly looking to West Ham then, Theo. It was only Liverpool's third away Premier League win of the season. And West Ham United, of course, had gone ahead of Liverpool before the game. It's not going to be an easy test down there at the, the London Stadium. No, it's not. They're having an amazing season. And what surprises me about West Ham is they're having that without a striker when Antonio, who is the striker, seems to have been missing for half of it so far. But whatever David Moyes is doing, it's working well for them. Um, Liverpool have had some very good trips to the capital to play West Ham in recent seasons, but you're hoping that that win can turn it around and be that jump start for them. And it's one where if they can beat West Ham and build that little gap, you'd expect West Ham to drop away a little bit. And then that's your top four, that's your Europa League race. It's one where if West Ham get another positive result, it just throws it wide open and it's anyone's for the rest of the season. Uh, while it's still only, what, the halfway point, it is another must-win game for Liverpool to make that stand and to show why they are the champions and just make sure that they're not going to be having any unwanted stresses when teams are still throwing away points against ridiculous opposition every other week. Yeah, does psychology come into this as well, Doyle? Thinking of David Moyes and looking at his record actually against Liverpool, it is absolutely awful. He's lost the last four in a row, only one win in 15 games that he's managed against Liverpool, 10 defeats during that time. Does that play a part or are West Ham beyond that this season and playing very well and Liverpool just need to be wary of what's in front of them? I don't think anybody realised that apart from you just now. So I don't think I don't think no seriously seriously I don't think it's going to have any effect because am I right in saying West Ham have won their last five games in the Premier League? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can have a look at that, but it sounds about right. Yeah, they have. So they are coming to form, and the interesting thing, obviously, with being playing at the London Stadium, they've had a long practice of playing in front of no supporters, or at least it feels like it for anybody who's actually been. <laughs> it's, it's it's a bit grim, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I no, I don't think the the psychological effect will be on West Ham in the sense that they've won the you know they're in such a good run of form. That's that's what it will be. They won't be thinking of what David Moyes has done in the past. David Moyes won't be thinking that. They'll be thinking, well, we played Liverpool early this year. We went one 0 ahead. We only lost two one. The interesting thing in that game is that Nat Phillips was playing then, and there was no Antonio. And I suspect that Antonio will be playing this time around. And there's very really clearly Phillips is going to be playing again. So. It'll be a different kind of test for him. I think uh, is Jared Bowen fit? Yeah, yeah, because he's. I think. I think. Yeah, I think he's quite decent actually, and he might be a bit of a problem. I know we'll come on to the game in a second. Be more. Got Sujek as well, don't they? It's going to pose that aerial threat. Well, listen. Well, this is the thing: is that you know, suddenly West Ham are absolutely brilliant, and why aren't they top? You know, so (laughs) (laughs) I 
I think I think obviously I haven't covered Everton for about nearly twenty years, and basically all of David Moyes' reign at Everton. I think I'm not to say I'm glad that he's doing well, but you know, well, no, actually, I'm going to say that I'm actually quite glad that he's doing well because I think he got a bit of a fur, yeah, unfair reputation after what happened at Manchester United, but. He kept, what was it, West Ham up a couple of years ago when he was dropped in for about six months. And I don't think you can underestimate what he's done here. I mean, West Ham didn't start the season particularly great. Did he lose at all 3-0 to Wolves on the first game or something? Newcastle. Like that. was, that's it, Newcastle. Well, it was even worse, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> it, was two so, nil, it was 2-0 as well, but yeah. It, okay, apart from yeah. that, everything on that was yeah. just completely great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, other than that, yeah. Um, but well, there you go. But the point being, you know, they got beat home by Newcastle. So he's turned it around. It's in some ways that they're one of the teams that's benefited from no fans being there as well. I think because with you know jokes aside, that's a terrible stadium for football. West Ham fans don't like it, and the minute things don't go to plan for them, they're not they're not shy in, in letting the letting the team know. So I think they've been given a little bit of a space to to develop, and they've been one of the teams that's. As Theo said, has taken advantage of the fact that people are having these blips. You know, there's no one putting a, a good run together. So, yeah, I think Liverpool have a very, very difficult game. And if they get a win, I think it, if they get a win, it'll be just as good as win, winning at Tottenham. There yeah. you go. Good point. The, the the point I was trying to make on the psychological thing is I just dig myself a hole. Is you look at West Ham's defeats this season, they've come against Arsenal, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Chelsea. It does seem as though well, the big six sides, the bigger sides, that they it doesn't matter how well or badly those sides are going in the league, West Ham seem to sort of have a have a bit of a mental block against them. Well, I I would probably agree with that then, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> glad, glad we glad we agreed I'm right and we can move on. Uh, yeah, they've won their last six in a row, actually, West Ham. Unbeaten in eight. So it won't be an easy game. Let's get into our team selection then. As ever, I will say Alisson in goal. Uh, David, I'll let you lead us on the, on the back four. Yeah, I think it's got to be the one that, that finished the game at, at Tottenham, hasn't it? Uh, what's that? Uh, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold on the flanks. Um, Nat Phillips and, and Jordan Henderson. I don't think there's a, a lot of other options there. Really, I think you've obviously you've got to you've got to leave Jordan Henderson in there. Um, you can't bring him back into midfield. So, and I think Nat Phillips, the fact that he was the one who picked off the bench, I thought he actually, apart from the, the challenge where he absolutely clattered, I think was it Son when he came on, um, it was a horrendously <laughs> late challenge. Um, yeah, apart apart from that, he sort of seemed. I think he, after that, he got the pace of the game, and then. You know, later on, there was an inception actually made in the box. It was absolutely brilliant um, where, you know, you're at risk of giving away a penalty. It was really good. So, yeah, I think he's probably he's probably earned the right to, to stay in there, particularly with Reese Williams making that mistake the other day. I think he'll probably show faith in Nat Phillips again against West Ham. OK, Doyle midfield? Uh, well, the defence. Oh, is... Unless you want to change the defence, yeah. Is there anyone else to pick? I'm sure Doyle will agree with me 100%, as usual. <laughs> I agree 100%, not as yes. usual, but I do agree. And I, also, I also actually think, I just wanted to talk about Nat Phillips very briefly and say that I think, I wouldn't say he's been harshly treated, but I think he probably deserved a, a, a longer run in, of a few more chances in the team. I know there's obviously worries about his pace, but what he's got, he had a year at Stuttgart, and I know they weren't in the Bundesliga First Division, in the Second Division, but it's still a decent-sized decent team. And he's playing competitive football. And Reese Williams, while I, I do think he'll end up becoming a decent defender, whether that's at Liverpool, I'm not sure in the long run. But he'd had a season at 
um, what was it, Kidderminster Harry's in non-league. And I think he's already started more than twice as this is. I think this is right. More than twice as many senior games for Liverpool as he has Premier League two games for the under twenty threes, which kind of underlines that he's wow. perhaps been pushed forward. And while he's, he's obviously did very well in certain games, that I think the, it was it was the, the United game was unfair on him because he was put in such a position that I think Nat Phillips is probably best suited at the moment, and I think just Reese Williams being kept away from the team might just do him a world of good as well. Yeah, Williams is a kid, isn't he? You don't want him yeah. to keep playing games and make mistakes and that confidence to drain out. Whereas Nat Phillips, he's had a few more years about him. He's got a bit more experience with a few more clubs he's played at. And he's a defender who can actually defend. His head doesn't drop if he does make a mistake. And it might not be the Liverpool way, but it's traditional, old-fashioned defending. And when you've got no one in there, that's what they need. Yeah, definitely. Doily then, midfield? I would make a change. I think Milner is going to be needed for games later next week. So I would play Wijnaldum in the defensive midfield role again. Thiago with his lovely new bandage. And Curtis Jones can come in and provide a little bit of running aroundedness. Because I think he, he, right in saying that he came on at West Ham last season. So he'll know how to deal with the vast expanses of that terrible stadium. Not Ox with those vast areas to well, what's interesting about seriously, what's interesting about Ox is he is better suited to when they've got some centre backs actually playing because he, he doesn't offer as much uh, midfield cover, I think the other three do. And and I think Curtis Jones I think even Curtis Jones offers a little bit more. I know it's a bit daft because this, you know, Oxley Chamberlain played wing back, didn't he, for Arsenal? So you'd think he'd know his defensive duties, but that's never been his job at Liverpool. He's always been more progressive player, and I think that's what Klopp would rather he did rather than got back and, you know, for somebody who's been out for so long, I don't. I think I'd be asking a bit too much of him. Fair enough. Theo, what, what are you saying about the midfield? Um, it's a tough one. Uh, Thiago, is, is he OK? Like, it was pretty bad head collision, wasn't well, he it? Played, he, he played the remainder of the game, didn't he? So I think he'll, he'll be fine. If he was concussed, he would have taken him off. He finished the derby uh, after uh, two months. Yeah, that was one minute, though, wasn't it? <laughs> to be fair to him, that was one minute. It wasn't like nearly a half. Um, Stop trying to kill off all Liverpool's players. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like you need James Milner in there as captain when you've got Henderson in defence because I granted Henderson missed the Burnley game but Milner was missed in there as well like Dean Adam as captain is not the same sort of thing so I kind of like to start James Milner in there yeah there's the, the feeling that maybe he will suffer an injury like when he's not had a run of games and he's throwing back in it is tend to be when he gets his little knocks but when he can get past that he's still one of the fittest players at the squad and he can get going. It's just getting that rhythm into him. So when Liverpool are going to need him for the rest of the season, hopefully he can find that rhythm now against West Ham. Uh, and then it's probably going to have to be as it is with Gini and Adam, Thiago Alcantara. Uh, Curtis Jones, he's the only other option because Naby Kate is missing an action. Oxlane Chamberlain just hasn't been seen this season either. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with that. Curtis Jones can be first off the bench. Maybe if you can take a bit out of uh, Stephen Gerrard's back catalogue and show a few more leadership skills, he can have a, more of a presence in there so they can rotate uh, Milner later on. Fair enough. Lynchy, what do you reckon about the, the midfield? Yeah, I may, I may be err on the side of Milner just because it's a it's a tough away game, a team that's in good form and, and very physical as well. So I think possibly you ask maybe Milner to get through one more and, and then maybe Curtis Jones gets his start in the next one, which is... Brighton, I believe. Yes, Brighton Wednesday, uh, yeah, Wednesday, so that, Anfield. 
There we go. Premier League, um, Premier yeah, League, just, yeah. There's just that many games that I just have to forget. Um, so you two just yeah, want to move so, down so south so maybe, for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I was thinking of it, to be fair. I was thinking of it, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Curtis Jones maybe comes back in against Brighton and I think so maybe one more for Muller if he can, uh, if he can hack it. Yeah, pushing to the limit. Well, uh, Theo then, attacking three. Who are the three going to be? Salah, Firmino, Mane. Got to be, isn't it? They're in form again. <laughs> Two of them got the goals. One of them was very unlucky not to get his goal. Uh, you don't take them out when they just seem to show a bit of form, having not shown any form for a month. Tried and trusted. Anybody going to disagree with that? Or are we all happy with that? The forward three being the forward three. Got to be, as I mean, now they're back in form, they look so sharp. And I think in these away games as well, they link up, they get a little bit more room, don't they? And they're linking up so so well at the last night. So I think, yeah, you've got to, you've got to stick with them. Great stuff. All right, then match predictions. Doily, Theo, okay, uh, Lynchy. 2 1 to Liverpool. 2 1 to Liverpool. 2 0 to Liverpool. <laughs> That is it from us here on the Blood Red podcast. Do make sure that you catch all of the build-up to Sunday's game down at the London Stadium and all of the post-match reaction. And then, of course, on Monday, we'll be back with the Blood Red podcast. It'll be a transfer deadline day special. Do Liverpool have time to get a centre-back in the building? We'll have to wait and see. But from us here on the Blood Red podcast, that's all we've got time for. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.